for the Alliance. For the Horde! Slay them all! Your mum's a bearded ogre and your father's a trog! Welcome back to Casually Casual Cast. I am your host, Horena Swift. This is the Warcraft podcast for those who are hardcore about not being hardcore. In this episode, I cover Warcraft retail and WoW Classic news in and out of Azeroth. I cruise some of the forums for both retail and classic, and I share some community feedback. I also share some adventures if I've had any in Azeroth, and I finish by taking a trip through Trade Chat, where we cover spotlights from the community and stuff going on inside the game. What events are taking place? What can you look forward to? Today's date is 9-21-2022, and you're listening to episode 12. You can have your thoughts, opinions, stories, adventures, and recruitment needs shared on the show, too. Just tweet the show at Warcraft Casual. You can follow me on Twitter at Horena. H-A-R-A-I-N-N-A. You can email the show at casuallycasualcast at gmail.com and you can find past episodes, the show notes for Casual Casual Cast and the rest of the podcast I host at cozypodcastnetwork.com. So let's get started by diving into some news. Alright, our first piece of news is covering Activision Blizzard that was acquired by Microsoft, which has had an impact on the gaming industry. When everything is said and done, it appears that there will be a lot stronger connection between the game properties owned by each of these corporations. Fans of Blizzard are further motivated to learn about Xbox. Microsoft intends to include its new properties in the Xbox Game Pass, as is well known. But what you need to know about the program is that you can, you know, hopefully we'll be able to have access to all this stuff with the Game Pass. For those of you who do not partake in the Game Pass right now, you can get it for a single monthly cost. Xbox Game Pass is a subscription service that grants users access to hundreds of games. The Game Pass collection is constantly being expanded and members also get early access to new Xbox Game Studio releases, popular games including Halo Infinite, Minecraft, Rainbow Six Siege, Forza Horizon 5, FIFA 22, Sea of Thieves, Mortal Kombat 11, and those are just the currently available right now with the Game Pass. But when will Blizzard games be released onto the Games Pass? Hmm, we don't know how much of the Blizzard library will be included in Game Pass at all right now, the other significant Microsoft acquisition provides the best indications at this time. In September 2020, the business announced that it will buy Bethesda Studios and Bethesda Softworks and the transaction was completed in March 2021. 20 games from Bethesda and its studios were added to Game Pass in the same month that the merger was completed. 
In August 2022, more Bethesda games were added to Game Pass. It may take some time before the effects of Microsoft's acquisition of Activision Blizzard appear in Game Pass because the transaction hasn't yet been finalized. So definitely something for us as Blizzard gamers and citizens of Azeroth might want to definitely keep our eyes on. Alright, our first chunk of retail news is the Solo Shuffle Showdown is going to be kicking off soon. This is regarding esports and reported from worldwarcraft.com on september 21st that is today by blizzard entertainment and they posted for us to get ready for the first solo shuffle tournament where 36 players from north america and the emea will duke it out for a share of the hundred thousand dollar us dollar prize pool solo queue fans rejoice Solo Shuffle Showdown is the first WoW esports tournament where PvP players will compete as individuals instead of on a team. A total of 72 gladiators will fight for glory in a quest to become the first ever Solo Shuffle Showdown champion. This will be taking place on September 23rd and 25th of 2022, that's in a couple days, and the venue will be taking place on youtube.com forward slash warcraft and warcraft. Twitch channel and the links are in the show notes. This is coming this Friday, September 23rd to the Sunday, September 25th. Broadcast time is at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and prize pool $100,000 and the format will be players will be participating either as healers or damage dealers. Each region will have a winner in each category. Competition split into two stages, knockout stage and finals. The knockout stage will be September 23rd, EMEA and September 24th for North America. 36 players will play three matches divided into groups of six players. Players will then be randomly reseeded after each match. Each round one in a match will grant one point. The top eight damage dealers and top four healers will advance to the finals. Finals will be on September 25th for EMEA and North American. And the points earned during the knockout stage will be reset to zero. The top 12 players from each region will play two matches each, randomly seated in groups of six players. After these matches, the four damage dealers and two healers with the highest score will play one last match. The dealer, damage dealer, and the healer with the highest scores throughout the day will be crowned the Solo Shuffle Showdown Champions. So you can find more about the tournament format at the news post at warcraft.com or in the show notes. Our next retail news are the hot fixes that were released on September 20th, 2022 for dungeons and raids. Faded raids, the following encounter abilities will no longer be notably altered by faded infusion creation spark. 
That is the Sanctum of Domination, the Taragru, Chains of Eternity, Predator's Howl, the Eye of the Jailer, Dragon Chains, Deathlink, Scorn in Ire, Hopeless Lethargy, the Nine, Fragments of Destiny, Remnant of Nerzul, Malevolence, Painsmith Raznal, Shadow Steel Chains, Lingering Flames, Cruciform Axe, Reverberating Hammer, Dual Blade Skith, Flame Clasp Trap, Guardian of the First Ones, The Threat, Neutralization, and Obliterate. Fate Scribe Ro Kello is the Grim Portent, Invoke Destiny, Call of Eternity. Kalthusad, Glacial Wrath, Frost Blast, and Oblivion's Echo. For Sylvanas Windrunner, the expulsion, lashing, lashing, blah, 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 lashing wound, crushing dread, curse of lethargy, domination chains, banshee's mark, banshee's bane, veil of darkness, haunting wave, shadow dagger, death knives, and barbed arrow. And for the sepulcher of the sepulcher. <laughs> My favorite word, sepulcher of the first ones. Skolex, the insatiable ravener, is the ephemera dust. Prototype pantheon was the rune carver's death touch and sinful projection. Anduin Rin will have the domination word pain, hopelessness, hopebreaker, blasphemy, hopelessness, overconfidence, lost soul, wicked star, empowered wicked star. And Lords of Dread will have the Fearful, Trepidation, Anguishing Strike, Cloud of Karen, and Paranoia. For Tazavesh, Sole's Gambit, Hillbrand added an extra action button for de depositing or dropping the bypass codes in addition to manually interacting with the security panel. Developers note blind players are reporting difficulties with bypass codes because they are unable to drop them and they are unable to complete the mechanic using just slash follow. We have implemented this alternative method to give players an opportunity to drop bypass codes so other players can grab them. Right, Warcraft has released a short story for you to read. You can find it at worldofwarcraft.com or in the show notes, and it's titled Visage Day. And here's a little bit about it, and then you can just head there and read it yourself. Travel Azeroth with Chromie as she seeks wisdom from her fellow dragons in creating a visage the mortal form dragons choose when coming of age. You must be Chrono Normu, the dragon said with a polite bow of his head. I am Caligos. It is an honor to meet you. The bronze bowed his head in response. Delighted, Caligos. Zednormi speaks highly of you. Thank you for taking the time to see me. I can tell you're very busy. Caligo smiled. There was something calm and gentle about him. My master, Malagos, expects members of our flight to train relentlessly, but I can always find time to do a favor for a friend. 
Zedormi informed me that you seek guidance about your upcoming visage day. Chrono Normu gave a sober nod. Indeed, and it is fast approaching. I find myself torn over which mortal form best represents who I am. I sought out my own master and he suggested I try to learn from others who had already made their decision. If I may ask, Caligos, how did you choose a form? You can continue to read this charming and heartfelt fairy tale written by lead narrative designer Steve Danhauser, part of the short story collection Folk and Fairy Tales of Azeroth. But you're going to have to do it in your own voices. A handy post they put out on Warcraft.com was things to do in Shadowlands when you're mostly dead. And this was just to remind us that when the Dragonflights of Azeroth return, that we will be leaving the Shadowlands behind. So before we journey back to the realm of the living, we will want to spend some of our remaining moments in the afterlife seeking out a few rewards that will actually no longer be obtainable or they may be more difficult to acquire in the upcoming expansion Dragonflight. So there is a whole list of these that they have put together and I don't know that it's something that I can really read at this point. So I'll just kind of highlight some as I go through it. Um, leave the Shadowlands a better place. The Feet of Strength meta achievement back from the beyond will no longer be attainable along with the Vil Strider title. Most achievement requirements can be completed solo and you can use the Raid Finder to complete any raiding requirements. For the Mythic Dungeon achievements, you'll want to recruit allies and have an average item level of at least 250 or higher to get it. And then... Um, there is the Fates of the Shadowland Raids achievement along with its rewards goes away when Dragonflight launches. Rewards for earning the achievement include the Jigglesworth Senior Mount Normal and the, Hero the, <laughs> the Hero of Fate title for Heroic and Shadowlands Raids Teleports Mythic. So you can grab a new crab on your way out. And then the Carsonized Zareth Steed Mount quest item obtained from defeating the Jailer on heroic difficulty or above will no longer be available. The Jailer is the last boss in the sepulchre of the first ones located in Zareth Mortis. To take on Zoval, you'll need at least a 10 player raid with an average item level of 275 or higher if the raid is fated. And also catch a falling star. Get the we, we Are All Made of Stars heroic and mythic achievements available on both non-faded and faded raids while you still can. To attain this achievement, gather your allies and defeat Rygalon of in Sepulchre of the First Ones while under the effects of Herald of the Cosmos. Everyone must stay alive throughout the encounter or else the raid fails. But don't worry, unlike past immortal achievements, you can rest, you can reset the encounter and try again. So, yep, that seemed pretty harmless. There is a nice itemized list of some of the stuff that you should probably do if it's something that sounds, um, that this is stuff that's going 
away with the Dragonflight launch. They have two other lists of stuff that's going away. There's another list that's going away with the Dragonflight pre-patch. Let's see, how big is this list? Oh, not bad. I will tell you what it is. <laughs> All right, so the stuff that's going away with the Dragonflight pre-patch um, is the Season 4 Mythic Achievements and Rewards, the Restoration Deathwalker Mount, um, with the death of Zoval the Jailer and the ascension of a new Arbiter, the Shadowlands is actually returning to its great purpose. Some Deathwalkers recognize the role that mortal heroes have played and are willing to serve as mounts. Players wishing to earn the Restoration Deathwalker mount must reach 2000 Mythic Plus rating. The last stop, all passengers must depart, completing the Mythic Keystone level 20 or higher within the time limit, thus awarding portals to Grim Rail Depot, Iron Docks, Operation Mechagon, Return to Karazan, and Tazavesh will be going away when Season 4 ends. And then there's also Season 4 PvP achievements and rewards that will be going away, like the Eternal Gladiator Soul Eater Mount and Title. That is a mount, and the, and the Eternal Gladiator Title are not going to be any more available in this world, they say. You'll want to be the top champion and win 50 3 versus 3 games at Elink, right at Elite Rank. I'm mixing my words together. Elite rank to earn these rewards. Weapon Illusion Eternal Flux. If you are the Weapon Illusion Eternal Flux, there's still time. You can earn this illusion when you reach a 2100 rating. And then the Season 4 Elite PvP Armor Set will be gone. The first transmog of the Season 4 Elite PvP Armor Set can be unlocked at 2000 and 100 rating. So let's see what the very last things there's going to be gone. Difficulty increasing. So this is stuff that's going to get harder to obtain when Dragonflight launches. Before you venture back into the land of the living and dragons, you'll want to make sure that you try to earn the rewards listed above or below before the ability to acquire them increases once Dragonflight launches. So once the Dragonflight pre-expansion update arrives, all Shadowland raids will become fated for the rest of the expansion. This means that this may make these mounts more challenging to attain, but the bosses are guaranteed to drop two mounts until Dragonflight launches. So that's cool. Upon launch, the guaranteed drop rate for Vengeance's raids obtained from defeating Mythic Sylvanas in the Fractal Cipher of the Xerath Overseer mount obtained from defeating Mythic Jailer will significantly decrease decrease. The number of drop mounts will be reduced to one to currently two. So you will, yeah, it will definitely increase. <laughs> it will be harder to get this really awesome looking mount. Vengeance serves Sylvanas well. It doesn't. No, that's false advertising. Vengeance never serves anybody well. But in the case of Sylvanas, apparently she finds value in vengeance. <laughs> so now the Ebony Dragon Hawk will serve you when you take the Dark Lady down. To defeat Sylvanas and Sanctum of Domination on Mythic Difficulty, you will want to recruit 19 of your bravest allies to enter the raid. And it's recommended that all players are at least 239 item level or higher. Fractal Cipher of the Zareth Overseer mount. So, yep, there is a ignomatic and aloof. This construct of the first ones flies on a graceful stream of perfect geometric understanding. To get this mount, gather 19 of your strongest allies 
and head on into the jailer on mythical difficulty. Mythical. They should just call it mythical instead of mythic. And sepulchre. Sepulchre of the first ones. It is recommended that players are at least 265 item level or higher to get that fractal cipher of the Zareth Overseer. That is a mouthful. So there, a whole list of things that you're going to want to do. If you're like, oh, Dragonflight's coming out, I'm just going to twiddle my thumbs. If you're not playing Wild Classic right now, you have time, even after, I guess, if it launches, you'll have time to try to maybe juggle both of these. If you have one foot in retail and one foot in Classic, there are three different categories of stuff that will no longer be available um, or it will be harder for you to get. And to wrap up our retail Warcraft chat, I found an article on dotesports.com and it was posted on September 4th, September 14th, 2022 by Michael Kelly. And the title is what caught me. It says, how a group of early morning raiders swiped a world first title away from WoW's pro guilds. And I'm for the underdog. So this definitely was like, oh, read this article. So uh, they have to say, throughout the entirety of World of Warcraft Shadowlands expansion, only five guilds claimed world first kills across the game's 31 raid bosses. And four of them were sponsored or went on to be sponsored by major esports organizations. But the fifth group was a group of players who just happened to clock in early. <laughs> And while the race to first is considered the pinnacle event of the game's esports scene, although the event isn't sponsored in full by Blizzard Entertainment, organizations still field 20-player WoW rosters to complete a new raid faster than any other team. But the world first races span entire raids, and each boss is a WoW raid has its own world first achievement. The early shift, a self-proclaimed hardcore casual guild, earned the opening world first kill of Sepulchre of the First Ones, the raid in March, thanks in part to their unconventional raiding schedule and bold call to attempt the raid on Mythic difficulty, despite being weaker than most guilds. During the first during world first races, professional guilds will extend their normal raiding hours, often playing 12 to 16 hours a day. Pro guilds will start their race days as soon as the servers reset, from around 10 a.m. Central Standard Time on Tuesdays, raiding until nightfall. Each world first race is a time sink for organizations and players. Shadowland races <laughs> lasted anywhere between even 7 and 17 days of practically non-stop raiding. So once the race ends, those pro guilds will slot back into their regularly scheduled nighttime raiding hours. But... The early shift, however, was a dedicated morning raiding guild. When the pros extend their hours to include the morning and afternoon, their raiding window overlap with that of the early shift. That time slot played a major factor in the guild's ability to walk backward into a world first kill, outpacing all other pro guilds in WoW's most recent race to world first just while playing during their normal raiding hours. Isn't that awesome? They're quoted saying, We raid in the morning, and it just happened, Zami, the early shift's raid leader, told Dot Esports. We were just like, oh, no one has the kill yet? 
so we might as well try. With their morning read time in mind, it was only a matter of time until the early shift eventually took down a boss before anyone else in the world. Throughout the Shadowlands expansion, the guild was slowly ramping up toward a world first kill, getting the 16th overall kill on the opening boss of Castle Nathria and the third for the opening of the Sanctum of Domination. So I just thought that was really awesome. I'll put the link to the rest of it in the show notes but that just goes to show you don't give up don't quit before you even try and it's those you know it's that whole you know that slow and steady wins the race right they didn't have to change who they were they didn't have to switch anything up they just worked as a team stuck to their schedule they didn't have to sacrifice any more hours of their day and they knocked it out and they did it. So I just thought that was an amazing underdog story I wanted to share with you. So like I said, the link is in the show notes or you can find it at dot at dot esports.com. All right, and now we're going to start on our WoW Classic news is the Wrath of the Lich King Classic Hot Fixes. Posted on September 20th, 2022, the Paladin Seal of Corruption can no longer be dispelled. The PvP window should now move or hide itself as necessary when other UI is opened. They fixed a very rare issue where a player could be unable to access their second talent specialization after learning dual talent specialization. And they fixed an issue where the bonus armor was not being granted on some rings. I don't know that I would know that. <laughs> I guess I just take it for granted that my my gear says, oh, I got like 20 plus armor. Like I've literally never went through and like double checked and now I feel like I should. <laughs> I'd be like, I want to make sure I'm getting every piece of armor out of all of my gear. High Test Eternium Fishing Line was applied prior to Wrath of Lich King Classic pre-patch. It should now correctly grant plus five fishing skill because it was only giving you plus two. All right. Alright, so last episode with the whole Wrath of the Lich King pre-patch starting early, then ending early, and then not ending early, and the confusion of, oh, it was supposed to be this way. No, it's not supposed to be this way. You know, it was just like a play-by-play. And the one thing that I got out of all of it was it just seemed to be like everybody kind of knew what they were talking about, but they all, there nobody was communicating. Like, I feel like (laughs) that was the case. And I think I even said as much in episode 11. And I feel like that was confirmed. I was listening to, let me get it, I want to get the episode right, but I think it was Warcraft Reloaded did an interview with um, Brian. Let me double check. I'm going to hit pause, but you won't know. It'll just sound like I just never left. Okay, yes, I'm back. It is the Warcraft podcast that is a mash those buttons show and it's called warcraft reloaded i'm sure you've most likely heard of it and if not i don't know how you could it because it's actually been out for a while but nonetheless they did on their episode 119 an interview with developer brian birmingham who you can also find on twitter at brian Bermin, and that is the wow classic lead blizzard veteran social media noob, you know, he says, 
But um, what I loved about the interview, the, the description is Bob and Mel get to talk with Wrath of the Lich King Classic with Brian Birmingham, the lead software engineer for Classic WoW. They discuss the length and timing of the pre-patch, how it has been going, and some of the biggest hurdles and their favorite things so far. And then they move on to cover the future of the Joyous Journeys buff, the queues on large servers, and server balance. And then they close out the episode talking about the decision to exclude random dungeon finder badges awarded from quests and the potential item level changes in Alduar or TOC and ICC. So really good interview. I put the link in the show notes, or you can just go to your podcast catchers and look up Warcraft Reloaded and it's episode 119. I really enjoyed it because it kind of was like it fit in the puzzle. Like it was so cool because it very down to earth, um, very informative interview. And I think that they did a great job interviewing Brian as well. And he does go in to confirm that it was like, it definitely seemed to be a conflict of communication, you know, and then us being players, we're not, we're not in on the inside, you know, we don't know like all the coding and all the layers of stuff. And this is stuff that had already happened. So like to go in and, and try to change stuff that had already been baked like a long time ago. And then now new bakers come in, you know, and they're like, okay, this is what this is. This is what we're going to do. You know, it was pretty um, informative and I really appreciate these avenues of communication to kind of let everybody know what exactly was going on because from the outside it was not lining up to their timeline at all like even when you would launch into the game it was like get ready to run from zombies and then you go in and they're like there's no freaking zombies and they're like oh then you go to twitter and they're like oh the zombies are gone and you're like well then change your freaking blizzard launcher okay that would be nice so they're just it just from the outside and communication's huge to me i like things to be balanced i'm a huge communicator it just isn't in my nature so i was looking on my left hand and i'm seeing like the balance Battle.net launcher proclaiming these events to be taking place. And then I'm on Twitter and I'm like, they're not. They're they're clearly ended. And then it was like, then you get tweets coming out from one Blizzard Warcraft classic person going, oh, the, the healers did a great job. It's all done. It's good. It's good. And then you have other people going, whoa, this, we have WoWHUD putting out articles being like, whoa, dude, this like started a whole week early than it was supposed to, right? Oh, it was all over the place. It was chaos. And I just think it was because of the zombies. You know, what do you expect from a zombie infestation outside of just pure chaos? So if you want to kind of fill in the blanks and figure out why there was so much chaos, I wouldn't do it. I thought about like, should I take notes when I'm listening to this? No, just go and listen to it yourself. If you listen to this podcast, there'll be nothing to listen to that podcast. There are way, you know, they have 119 episodes. I'm on, I, I'm on episode 12, okay? <laughs> so definitely go and check that out. I put it in the show notes you can find at CozyPodcastNetwork.com. So then we're going to jump into a post, and I'm not reading this. Dude has got, he, he, I got to hand it. I got to hand it to Agrigand. I believe that, yeah, a grand, a grand. Um, Warcraft... Wild Classic game producer, a grant, went to the Blizzard forums. And one thing that I really love is the fact that they are on top of the Warcraft Community Council uh, forums, especially. A lot of good information does come out of there. So after a grant, 
did all of the tweets kind of like tripping over himself and then admitting that he's really not good at this this Twitter thing. And the stuff he was tweeting out was not lining up with like what was really going on. And then he was like, whoa, I got to slow my roll. I got to go back and I got to really do a good job at communicating this. And I feel like he did. So on September 12th, I uh, actually made a post all about it and it said hello we wanted to provide a quick update on the status of the zombie plague and scourge invasion pre-patch events since there was a lot of confusion floating around about how they were actually supposed to work and when the specific the specific events were actually supposed to fire this is unsurprising considering how complex these events actually are apologies in advance that this post is going to be pretty long one but we felt it was important to really detail here exactly what has happened and what is to happen and how this differs from what you may have expected. So then they broke everything down by days saying that first let's break down exactly the events, how they look like in the 3.35 data, which we are using for the 3.40 Wrath of Lich King Classic. And they go through and list start from day zero saying the zombie plague stage one begins. That involves the plague crates appearing in Booty Bay and the plague kicks off. And then on day two, the zombie plague stage two begins with increased infection. And then day three there was a zombie plague that increased intensity becoming easier to become infected and then the plague stage four began the scourge invasions along with the necropoli began spawning in various zones in the eastern kingdoms and i did see them spawning out in the elwyn forest i do remember seeing that happening and day four, the zombie plague stage begins, yet more increased intensity, the disease becomes harder to remove. And day five, the zombie plague stage began, the event winds down and effectively ends, but plague vermin and suspicious crates persist. And on day 10, so that lasted for a five-day period, that plague stage five. And then it jumps to day 10 where the plague cure event began, where Professor Putris and plague cure quests became available. I don't remember that. I don't know if that's, I don't, I don't remember that at all. So maybe it happened. I don't know. Day 18, the scourge necropoli in the various Eastern kingdoms and Kalimdor disappear and the epilogue event begins. The plague cure event ends and the last chapter city attacks begin. This is when the Scourge begin attacking cities and the RP events with Thrall and Garage for the Horde and Varian Rin for the Alliance kickoff. So that was taking place and then on day 21 all events end and the expansion launches. So if Wrath is starting and launching on September 26th, then day 21 would actually be taking place on September 26th. And by the timing here, and then it says that all the, the expansion will launch and then all the events listed above will be on rigid timers and all are meant to fire sequentially, meaning if the chain is broken for either of these events, it can impact the timing for all subsequent events. So this combined with a bit of human error led to a variety of issues and confusion over the weekend. And that's when I was recording episode 11. It was like hour by hour. It was on, it was off. This is why, this is why. It came early, it ended early. It was It was all over the place. And I even had to like go into my last episode and like add more because I felt like, 
well, crap, this, they keep coming out with more information, and I literally just published the show, and I hate that. It's it's the plague of a podcaster. The minute you post, something new and breaking comes out, and you're like, ah, I want to pull it down and add it. But you can't always do that. But I did, and then I decided to just wait until um, episode 12 and catch uh, all the cards when they fell and just scoop them up and then tell you about it. So now he says, so now that we've recapped how it all set up in data, let's examine some of the issues that we had. The Scourge invasion started early. According to the data above, this is actually correct, but we had a miscommunication internally and a general misunderstanding of when this was actually supposed to begin and what triggered these events. So as a result, the timing we communicated for the Scourge invasion started was incorrect. This was simple human error. Overall, we weren't terribly concerned that these events started earlier than we had indicated because it only meant more time to farm necrotic runes and the other rewards. So the zombie plague did end early in the original 28... 2008 design. The zombie plague was meant to last actually a lot longer and end at roughly the same time the plague cure quest lines became available. However, due to the initial reaction to the event and how disruptive it was, ended significantly earlier than originally intended during the pre-patch of 2008. Which I find hilarious because I'm not gonna lie, I did see a bunch of people like getting really ticked off at the zombies, killing the trainers that they were trying to go to and killing... You know, like, I want to say it was, um, somebody was supposed, oh, it was a DK, and they were supposed to go talk to Varian Rin, and, like, somebody had killed him, or some somehow, whoever he was supposed to talk to, to finish the DK quest, um, when you ride into the city, had been killed. And then they said it wasn't going to spawn for, like, a couple more, like, four hours or something. I'm just paraphrasing i can't remember the exact time without googling it and i'm just trying to remember what they said on trade chat but they were i mean i i could understand why people were getting pissed off in 2008 and now it's 2022 and us humans are still getting pissed off when our npcs were getting <laughs> murdered <laughs> i roll with it i i don't tend to be as quick to get upset about stuff like that. I tend to laugh at stuff like that more. Obviously, laughter is my coping mechanism. So even if I were to nerd rage about it, I would probably do it by laughing. So um, they go on to say that this truncated duration is still reflected in their data and their intent was for Wrath Classic was just to adjust it to have it last for a full week. This was unfortunately overlooked and was another mistake. Different realms were having events start and end at different times. <laughs> Which makes sense because on Twitter, I would see people be like, no, it's still going on. And I'd be like, it's not on my server. And then I started like gaslighting myself. Like, am I, am I even, do I even know what I'm talking about? Like, I swear I'm not seeing this stuff going on on my server. So yeah, this makes sense. It was firing off in different servers at different times. <laughs> so due to the nature of these events being on rigid timers and being very specifically tied to one another, various realms are now on different timers and stages due to some of the issues that they have had. So additionally, we have spun up a brand new realm, Aranicus, which started the Zombie Plague Stage 3 and the Scourge Invasion event about a full day after the rest of the U.S. realms. And if we were to open any additional new realms, they would also have this issue. 
We believe that most realms are the same general stage at the time, and I am making this post, but if we allow events to play out without intervention, the subsequent plague, cure, and city attack RP events will start and end at wildly different times, depending on the realm and the region. <laughs> so, I'm not going to go on. I've already read enough, but there is a, there's a lot more in this post. Um... I'll uh, I'll just jump down to the bottom. It says, what should you expect between now and launch? Following scheduled regional downtime on September 13th, that's this past, past um, well, the rebuilt versions of the remaining events will be running on all live realms. This means that the Scourge events will continue to play out right up until September 26th at 3 p.m. and Pacific Standard Time when Wrath of the Lich King Classic officially launches. That means that the Plague Quest events will be available in Shatrath as soon as realms come up from maintenance. That this portion of events will also run right up until September 26th at 3pm when the expansion launches. But with the original data, this would have ended after 7 days on September 19th. But we're actually going to let it run an extra week to ensure that more players have an opportunity to participate in the content. So, they're saying on Monday, September 19th, the last chapter begins, and all cities will come under attack from the Scourge, and various RP events occur, as mentioned earlier in the post, and that this is part of the event that will also run up until 3 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on September 26th. Overall, they do not want to extend, well, they do want to extend their sincere apologies for the confusion around these events. But they believe that they are much better placed now and that they have modernized how these events work on the back end and hope to see the remaining events to play out in a much more predictable fashion from here on with no additional surprises. <laughs> so I just think that if it was any type of another event outside of zombie plague event, and I just think it's hilarious that just trying to reenact something that happened back in 2008 now in 2022 it just is it to me it was like poetic it was very poetic it's just like utter chaos confusion but it's really awesome that at the end of the day they take the time to put the final bow on the end and be like this is why it's chaos this is why it's chaotic and on, honestly you have to appreciate the communication that I'm not used to that much over the years. I feel like they're doing a lot better job communicating and also having that sense of humor and being more active on Twitter, even though that they all are self-proclaimed Twitter noobs. So also, um, so I will wrap that up. Like I said, it is a lengthy post itemized, very full of information. I didn't read all of it and I still read a lot of it. So the link is in the show notes, cozypodcastnetwork.com. You just click on the casual casual cast tab. It takes you right there. Also, the, um, Josh Greenfield, the same author of that post, tweeted out, following maintenance this morning, you can queue for BGs from your PV pain. Come kill me while I grind for brutal gear on my pally. So now in Warcraft Classic, he was letting you know that you can queue from Battlegrounds right from your PvP pain. And I thought that was awesome. I'm bored. You want to go for a drive? Sure. You know where I'd like to go? Where? I'd like to go cruise some forums. Hmm. Sure. <laughs>
was in the forums in the WoW Classic Community Council Blue Post in a post titled Classic Looking to the Future by Six Fury on the Warcraft Community Council forums. They got the discussion started by saying, Hello, I'd like to kick off a discussion into the future of Classic WoW. Now that we are just a few weeks away from Wrath of the Lich King launching, I think it's a good time to look back and think where the future may lead. Feel free to chime in with your own feedback. And then Bornak, the community manager, replied, Thanks for kicking this off, Six Fairy, and to everyone who has shared their thoughts so far. Some of you have covered this already, but we are very interested in hearing what you all are most excited about after the Lich King is defeated. Based on the discussions and the threads so far, there seem to be two general directions for this. If Wrath is a bit of a stopping point for you, what would make you most interested in playing WoW Classic in the future? Seasons, fresh start experiences, or anything that appeals to you? Does the possibility of continuing on to Cataclysm sound exciting to you? If so, are there still changes you'd like to see? If not, are there certain changes that would get you excited? Note that these questions aren't meant to be encompassing. So if you have something else to add, please share that. We look forward to reading your feedback. So I just wanted to let you know that they are looking for your feedback. Whether they care about it or not, they are requesting it. So I personally feel like I would like to, my classic experience would probably hop off at WoW Classic in a Wrath depending on how they handle servers. Like, I'm all about not having cross-server things because I think that just kills the PvP servers and RP PvP servers, and I just don't like that. So I would think that in the future, and I wish they would have done that in Cata, allowed, like, cross-servers for PvE, but not cross-servers for PvP. I feel like that should have been where they made their line because when you have a PvP server, it just turned into friendsless battling friendsless instead of server factions battling server factions. So that was what irritated me the most was when they started implementing that kind of stuff. So I don't know. I guess for me, it depends on how they approach Cataclysm or how are they going to do that? What are they, what parts of Cataclysm are they going to do? What parts are they not going to do? So that's that. But only time will tell. And also I wanted to let you know that there is a post on the Warcraft Classic Reddit that wanted to warn everyone how you can get scammed because somebody posted, I got scammed by a turd in trade chat selling fake profession leveling kits, submitted a ticket and had the gold lost mailed back to me. Had the gold lost mailed back to me. Thanks Blizzard support for taking care of this. PSA, open a ticket if you get scammed when purchasing a profession leveling kit. And then the actual post they shared, it says, I am playing on the server fairly in a PvP Wrath Lich King server, and here's my issue. And it says, Tim the Rat Alt scammed me out of 15,000 gold. 1,500 gold. <laughs> it scammed me out of 1,500 gold. He was advertising engineering leveling kits for 1,500, and I opened trade for 1,500 gold, and he did not provide enough materials to level one from one to 375. Now I am out 1500 gold and he will not respond when I ask him for the rest. And he put me on ignore. I posted to trade chat that it was a scam and I had multiple personal messages saying that he has been scamming people for profession leveling kits too. Please help. 
And then Sardinique said, hey there, da-da-da, they're blank their name. We'll just say, we're redacted. Thanks for taking the time to contact us today. Game Master Serendique is here to address your concerns. I have looked into the player you reported and taken the appropriate action for this matter. Due to privacy concerns, we are not able to discuss what was done, but rest assured, the action was appropriate. For the gold that was lost, I have mailed it back to your character. You will find the 1500 in their mail the next time you log into the character. Also in the future, please only submit a single ticket when you have an issue. Submitting multiple tickets actually delays us getting these resolved. To clean up the issues, I have combined your other open tickets into this one. And thanks again for contacting us. I'm glad I was able to get this sorted out for you. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Bravo! Bravo! Those game masters are awesome. It's always nice when you have a happy ending. Our second Cruising the Forum post, titled, People in Pugs Need to Chill Out. So, like many, I've returned to playing Wrath of the Lich King after playing it back in the day and started doing some dungeons. And damn, I'm tanking and just doing normal pulls and SM. And then there's always dudes, mostly mages, whining that we should be doing way bigger pulls. So I oblige and I pull an F ton of mobs. And of course, we wipe. People start going off about it, telling me I should have done X and Y, and then I usually leave after one wipe. I get that some people want to speedrun for max XP gains, but please, does anyone just play this game for fun anymore? Also, how am I supposed to know how SM is run these days when it's my first time running them in years? A lot of people will obviously disagree on here, but this just frustrates me a lot. I had to vent about it. So, the replies are as follows. Deadzo900. This is all from Reddit, Classic Wow, I should tell you. But I think it covers both retail and classic. That's why I added it, because I think it can span both games, game versions. Deadzo900 said, MMO culture, especially in WoW and really in gaming overall, has really changed. People in general are more angry and focused on playing the game the right way which usually equates to min-maxing every little thing, no matter how low tier or easy the content is. For whatever reason, some people have really intertwined performance in this game to their personal ego value. It's too bad because this game used to be about socializing, working through content together, and community building. This used to happen organically. However, now that's really the case. And I would like to side add... I find that that is also the case. And it's very, if you can find a really good community of nice, friendly, tight knit, down to earth people, it is a gem. And that's why I have stuck with, I, I definitely recommend uh, if that sounds like something you're interested in, definitely check out the Lions Pride Tavern. Uh, if you aren't already listening to their podcast, you go there and join their Discord. And they are a great, knowledgeable, friendly, down to earth people. They play both retail and classic on Alliance side and it was I think Dragon Blight and on Alliance and then I think it was Fellowship of the Thing is the name of the guild and then also on Pagel so it's the Alliance Pride Tavern on Pagel so 
Definitely go in there and get someone to invite you. If, if down to earth, socializing and working through content together and community building sounds like something fun. So that's definitely why I have staked my flag, my Warcraft flag in, in that community because they're just awesome. So I definitely would, I would recommend you going there. So Puffy Wiggles said, yeah, and they are always so miserable as people. They meta everything to neglect the fun or just being remotely likable. In fact, most of the time they equate fun to being the best. Yet nothing about their personality screams, I'm having fun. It truly is the cancer of modern gaming that rose off the backs of esports and everything being a competition. We invited the worst types of people into our games when that happened. Even the worst player in the game is a try-hard ego enthusiast attempting to make himself as unlikable as humanly possible. Tell us how you feel, Puffy Wiggles. GM Carper said, I think assuming every player is like this is part of the problem. Many of us are just here to be nice, make friends, have fun. And Galago said, this is it, man. Everyone is focused on min-maxing. Back then, people would roam, like, roaming around just for the fun of it. I myself have got plenty of levels on my hunter by just grinding mobs. There was always some purpose, purposelessness, purposelessness. Yeah, that's that. World PvP shenanigans going on and it was nice. Everyone now reads up on the guide and how to do this and how to do that as fast as possible. Yesterday I teamed up with a random warrior in the Grand and we kept going against a group of 10 plus horde at the Ring of Blood just for fun. We wiped plenty of times and had fun rezzing and heading back. But we'd be excited if we took down just a few of us or took a few of them down with us. No goal or point in what we were doing except to just have fun. And Deadzo900 replied, I'm glad you're promoting and engaging in that type of play. That it's not extinct. Just a lot more rare now, it seems. And maybe the other stuff is just more common. Who knows? And then Swenka wraps it up by saying, I call it the streamer or pro effect. Many people seem to want to play like there are these things. Now, instead of the occasional troll and such, we have armies of Reddit and 4chan cringe lords trying to goad each other in general and trade chat like some weird RP exercise to see as the most terminally online loser. I just don't get this culture, but it is disingenuous and awful because they all act like they're trolling, but it's far too on the nose and consistent. So my input would be, I think that a lot of these posters had some good points that it can be the streamer effect, you know, because with certain streamers, and I can't say all because I, the streamers that I follow on Twitch and stuff that play Warcraft aren't like that because I think like attracts like, you know, it's that cliche, like attracts like, you tend to gravitate towards people of like mind, like interest, like wiring. And uh, so those communities will have their little pockets. So you might just see a lot more of that because the younger you are, the less baked you may be in the oven of life. So therefore you're attracted to those people who are so, like even um, Asmongold, right? He's even acknowledged the fact that when he was younger, he was all about those things. Grind, 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 grind. 
kick butt, kick butt, you know, just constant competition, hours and hours, just going at it, writing guides, doing all this stuff. And now he's not that way at all. Because you get older and you won, you lose interest, you burn out. And then with the more things happen in your life, you tend to look at gaming differently. And then you also tend to game for different reasons. Some people game and they do that min-maxing and it can be directly tied to their performance in their game because their ego and their identity as a human being is directly tied to their performance in a game. Where there's many of us who can go into a game, have fun and lose and are internal identity as a person and a human outside of the game has not changed. But some people, those two things are, they're equated. They're one and the same. Their, their identity in their game and their identity out of their game are linked. So when one fails, it all, they just throw the baby out with the bathwater cliche. So that's what they do. Plus, I think a lot of it has to do with back when World of Warcraft first launched, this was a game, you know, a game breaking um, gaming world breaking type of a game. It was so popular. It had a lot of qualities. Granted, it wasn't the first MMORPG. There was other ones before it, but this one just had something different that grabbed people and it had the lore aspect as well built off from the previous Warcraft lore that had paved the way. So I think now you have a lot uh, more variation type of gaming. There's a lot of competitive type games out there now where it is more fast paced. Go, 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 go. Win, 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 win. Rise up the rankings and stuff like that. So naturally, I think us as gamers affects how us as Azerothians approach the game. That just seems to be my most, um, that's my hot take right now. So that's what I have to think about that. But guess what? We have some more thoughts. And it comes from the SideQuest Community Poll. What's that over there? Oh, it looks like a, a side quest. Oh, I love side quests. They always get me off on some goose chase. I love them too. They're so much fun and not productive whatsoever. That sounds fantastic. Let's go check it out. Oh, wh wh what's that over there? Oh, it looks like a, a side quest. Oh, I love side quests. They always get me off on some goose chase. I love them too. They're so much fun and not productive whatsoever. That sounds fantastic. Let's go check it out. Oh, wh wh what's that over there? Oh, it looks like a, a side quest. Oh, I love side quests. They always get me off on some goose chase. I love them too. They're so much fun and not productive whatsoever. That sounds fantastic. Let's go check it out. Side quest time. I tweeted out at Warcraft Casual on Twitter, community inspired poll time. Should players and pugs chill out? Should they just stop rushing the group unless the group agrees to rush? 37.5% said, stop the rush. And 12.5% said, 
no, rush, rush, rush. And 50% said, go at the group agreed pace. And I am with that 50%. I think that if you are heading in to a dungeon, if it's your first time, if you are returning, if you are playing a different role in the game, I think you should say, hey, everyone, I am new at this, or I am returning at this, or this is how I like to tank, or these are my expectations. What do you think about it? Go in and say, you know what? I'm coming back. I have been gone for a while, and I'm going to get used to this dungeon. I don't know if anything has changed. So if this doesn't sound like something that you're up for, you can leave. If not, you know, stick around. I think a lot of the times we go into these games and we don't communicate our intentions. And also playing Final Fantasy XIV, I think that more people communicate in the dungeons. When people come in, they go, hey, I'm new. I've never ran this before. People are more apt to not give you the side eye and think that you are purposefully trying to screw them over when you go, hey... I'm new at this, or hey, I haven't played this in a while, and I'm dusty, and I got a lot of cobwebs to shake off, so can you guys please be patient with me and help me out if you think that I am, you know, needing some help or whatever. Like, just communicate your intent. That's all you can do. You can only control how you react to a situation. So if you're going into these pugs and you're not communicating your expectations, you're not communicating your intent, you're not communicating anything, but you're expecting them to just somehow know you're new at coming back into the game, that's just not realistic. So put it out there. The worst they can do is just what they're doing without you saying anything at all. So I think you're going to risk having something better happen than doing nothing at all and having nothing good happen. So that's just my two cents on the matter. All right, now we're moving into trade chat, the place for extras, the place for spotlights, for tips or recommendations and those in-game events. So to get us started, we are at the Larger Than Life Brewfest is here. The Pirate Day has come and gone, so I hope you got your booty on. But right now, Larger Than Life Brewfest is running from September 20th to October 6th. First celebrated by the dwarves, Brewfest now holds appeal among all races of Azeroth. Do you love eating delicious rare food? Delicious fair food. I guess fair food would be rare food. Drinking bountiful beverages and riding rams around barrels of apples. Brewfest has arrived and you can do all of that and more from September 20th and October 6th. And this is in both versions of the game. And you can find the Brewfest taking place at Ironforge Entrance for Alliance and in Orgrimmar for the Horde. And completing the quests and activities on the Brewfest grounds will generally, generally reward you with Brewfest prize tokens. These are used to purchase most of the items you will find on sale at Brewfest. Now, I attended Brewfest. I did Pirate Stay in both Retail and in Classic. And in WoW Classic, I did Brewfest so far. I haven't done it in Retail yet. But I did notice it had been a while since I had done the running um, racing of the Rams. And in Classic, I noticed 
that I did not, it took me a while to like get my bearings and to remember that you have to take the reins in your bag and, and whip the ram to make the pace go the three different speeds in order to finish the quest in the four minute allotted time. It took me a while to do it. I was, I can't remember what I was doing. If I was watching a, like Netflix or something, but I was, I can't remember. I was watching something and I wasn't paying attention. I wasn't reading the quest text. I ran out of my four minute time just when I figured how to do two out of the three speeds. So then I went and I thought I could just go back and get a new RAM. I There was no option for me to get a new RAM in Classic. So I had to abandon my quest and start all over again. But by the second time that I did it, I actually knew what I was doing and it wasn't as difficult. You know, go figure. Reading the quest text, you know. how? Who would have thought? How dare they? And the weekly bonus event is titled Battlegrounds. You will have seven days on the Battlegrounds. All this week heading to the Battlegrounds will net you an extra honor along with bonus loot for completing the world this week's quest to enter the fray, open group finder, your hotkey I, and then select player versus player tab, then choose quick match, select random battlegrounds or random epic battlegrounds, and hit the join battle button. You'll be matched up with other players and sent to one of the 12 battlegrounds listed below. Alterac Valley, Wraithy Basin, Ashran, Battle for Gilneas, Battle for Wintergrass, Deepwind Gorge, Eye of the Storm, Isle of Conquest, Seething Shore, Silver Shard Mines, Temple of Cotman Goo, Twin Peaks, and Warsong Gulch. And the weekly cut quest is there before you get started. Make sure you speak to Caretaker Call Tall and Ouroboros who has a quest for you. You can also pick up the quest from within the adventure guide, win four battlegrounds, and you'll be rewarded with five marks of honor. And then you also have the battleground buff. This week you will gain 50% more honor in battlegrounds. And then there is like, you should probably already know that a new event is offered every week. And this week it happens to be battlegrounds. And this week, there is the PvP Brawl, Arathi Basin, which runs from September 20th to September 27th, where you can put away your bathing suit, pull out your parka, and enter into a winter wonderland. As Arathi Basin, you know and love gets a fresh coat of ice and snow. You'll be racing your way between the farm, stables, mine, lumber yard, and blacksmith through piles of snow and over a mostly frozen lake. One more thing, the weather forecast calls for a bit of fog of war. We hope you're prepared for the weather. And then next week is, uh, just mark it down, it's the Gravity Lapse Resource Race. And that will run from September 27th to October 4th. Gravity getting you down? Step into the eye of the storm. We'll be prepared for a whole new enlightening experience. Every minute, players of the battlefield will find themselves launched into the air only to gently fall toward the ground again in a perpetual aerial ballet as they try to accrue enough resources to take the win home for their team. And for the spotlight of episode 12, I'm going to tell you about a new stream team titled Teamwork. 
at TeamworkTTV on Twitter, and it's spelled with an E, T-E-A-M-W-E-R-K-T-T-V. It is a Twitch stream team striving and working together to create better gaming atmospheres and experiences. You can email them for business inquiries at TeamworkTTV at gmail.com. We're going to finish episode 12 by spotlighting the lore in short. Arthas Menethil, the Wrath of Lich King classic, World of Warcraft. This is published and produced by World of Warcraft, and they're putting out lore in short videos you can find on their YouTube channel, and they're also tweeting them out. And in this one, for like lore noobs like me... Uh, you can learn the tragic story of Arthas Menethil and the events that led to him ascending the frozen throne to become the true Lich King. Guess what? I am playing it on this show and you can go and check it out for yourself at the show notes and keep track of any new ones are going to be dropping too. I think it's really awesome that they're putting in these Wrath of the Lich King classics and lore and shorts. The kind of people that are like new to WoW or want to be reminded about how this is all taking place, this is a great thing to listen to. So let's get going. Arthas Menethil, son of King Tyrannus Menethil II, the ruler of Lordaeron. As a promising young paladin, Arthas was trained in combat by Muradin Bronzebeard and learned the ways of the light under Uther the Lightbringer. Soon after his induction into the Knights of the Silver Hand, a plague gripped the Northlands of Lordaeron. I joined Arthas to help investigate an insidious disease that caused the dead to rise again. After fighting the infected undead, we encountered the necromancer Kel'Thuzad and discovered his plans to infect outlying villages under the orders of the dreadlord Mal'Ganis. We set out to stop the demon before he could reach his next target, the city of Stratholm. But we arrived too late. The citizens had already consumed poisoned grain that would doom them to rise into undeath. To stop the plague from spreading further, Arthas ordered his knights to purge the entire city. Uther and I were horrified and refused to obey his cruel command. Those who remained loyal to Arthas joined him and began the culling of Stratholm. Arthas sought vengeance upon Mal'Ganis, but the demon slipped away to the frozen land of Northrend. While leading his forces in pursuit of Mal'Ganis, Arthas came upon his former mentor, Muradin, searching for a powerful blade called Frostmourne. When the sword was found, Muradin read its inscription and warned the prince that the weapon was cursed. But Arthas believed that the blade would give him the power to save his people. When the weapon broke free, a shard of ice struck Muradin down. Heeding the call of Frostmourne, Arthas claimed the sword and left Muradin for dead. With Frostmourne in hand, Arthas confronted Mal'Ganis 
who told him the voice he was now hearing was that of the Lich King, Ner'zhul. Obeying his new master, Arthur slew the Dreadlord and abandoned his troops as he pushed deeper into the frozen north. When Arthas returned to Lordaeron, the kingdom rejoiced at the homecoming of its beloved prince. But that joy turned to ashes when Arthas entered the throne room and ran the accursed blade through his father's heart. Arthas scourged the land in the name of the Lich King, Ner'zhul. To reach the throne of his master, Arthas had to face Illidan's storm rage. After a grueling battle, the victorious Arthas ascended to the frozen throne. He drove his blade through the ice, releasing the spirit of Ner'zhul from its icy prison. The two beings merged into one and became the true Lich King. Should he rise again from the frozen north, all of Azeroth will face his wrath. Well, that has been episode 12 of Casually Casual Cast, the Warcraft podcast for those who are hardcore about not being hardcore. In each episode, I cover retail wow, wow classic news in and out of Azeroth, and I can also cover your feedback. You can tweet the show at Warcraft Casual. You can follow me on Twitter at Horena. H-A-R-A-I-N-N-A. You can email the show at casuallycasualcast at gmail.com. And you can find the past episodes, the show notes for the show, and the rest of the podcasts I host at cozypodcastnetwork.com. Just click the Casually Casual Cast tab and it'll take you right to the website. All right. Well, happy adventurers, Azerothians. Bye-bye.